the Cleveland Cavaliers select Evan Mobley. It's been a historical franchise in this league for years. We have a trade to announce. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. Trevor Lane here. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on an Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joined by Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. As I said, this is the first, the original NBA Front Office Show. Keith, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I uh, went and got a haircut today and uh, I'm feeling good, feeling fresh and uh, ready to go. Let's uh, let's kick things off with a little Miles Turner. Miles Turner, we talked about him yesterday. The Pacers had kind of set their asking price, looking for a couple of first-round picks, maybe a promising young player and a first-round pick. Now I wonder if they're going to get anything. Miles Turner mm-hmm. on the shelf, dealing with a stress reaction in his foot, and he's going to be out through the trade deadline now. What does this do to the Pacers' prospects of moving him? Yeah, I think what this changes if you are the acquiring team is you have to think about this more as a deal for next season and beyond than really for much for this, uh, the rest of this season in the playoffs, because you don't know what you're going to get. Anytime it's a big man and it's a foot injury, it's the timetables never seem to go the way you think they're going to. It's a lot of times you see other guys, it's they're going to be out six to eight weeks and they're back within six to eight weeks. Sometimes these big guys, I mean, as we're kind of going through with Zion, I fully realize completely different situation as far as the way they're built. But a lot of times these big guys with these foot injuries, it turns into, uh, you know, two to four weeks, turns into six to eight, turns into 12, turns into the end of the season. So I think if I was another team now, I am kind of sitting here looking and saying, well, <laughs> one of the dogs is roaming through the background here. <laughs> I see. <him>. Um, <laughs> is uh, you, you got to start to think about, all right, are we interested in, next season and beyond mm. with Turner, are we looking at this being a long-term relationship? And if it is, that probably doesn't change much for you because then you're really saying, all right, well, whatever we get this year is a bonus and go. If you were looking for as more of a, hey, we'll have them for the rest of this year and then just next year, this probably causes you to maybe rethink and drop out. And you may have a few teams that are fully scared off entirely saying, I just don't even want to deal with it. I'm out altogether. Yeah, I mean, think about some of the teams that have been connected to them. You've got, I mean, the Mavs, the Lakers. These are teams that are that are trying to win right now. Portland has been mm-hmm. a potential team. I mean, Portland, maybe that with Damian Lillard already dealing with injuries, maybe that doesn't scare them off as much if they're not worried about making the playoffs this year, particularly with their draft pick lottery protected. So maybe that's an, yeah. a landing spot. But some of these other clubs, like if you're the Mavs and you've been playing well already, like you're starting to play better, that's got to dissuade you or at least make you less likely to want to give up guys that are helping you win games right now for Miles Turner, given this new injury risk. Did you see Mark Stein's report? I did. I'm curious. Yeah. That's, that, so that's why I mentioned it. <laughs> okay. I thought you might've been leading there. I just yep. wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, it sounds like they're out entirely on Miles Turner. Now it sounds like they had been out prior to this news yeah. um, because they viewed Turner as a defensive upgrade for them, which he, he would have been for most teams, but they're already playing really good defense. And I think they're looking at it as, Hey, we have limited assets to make, make kind of an impactful move. We're going to do something. We got to do it in a different way. And it's just not spending it on miles Turner. And, and from the Pacers side, I think, 
this probably forces them into being maybe a little bit more realistic mm-hmm. in their ask. It's probably going to be, uh, you know, they can't drive as hard a bargain now. You, you still can to some extent because you're still one of only a few sellers on the market, especially for bigs. But it, it's it's kind of like selling something that's broken and not a lot of people are going to want to buy it anyway. So yeah. you just got to kind of, you know, really look at it as, you know, why are they still open to this and fixing it and having it long-term or, or what? And that, that's kind of where you have to approach things with miles Turner is, can we get them right? Can we have them long-term and go from there? So my guess is maybe something still happens, but what may happen now is this could delay things and really push this off to the off season. Cause if the other thing I'll say for the Pacers side mm-hmm. is, if you don't get a deal you like, you still have them under contract for next year. So you hang on to them going to the offseason, get them healthy, and then you look to move them then versus taking a deal you don't really like because it's not like you're going to get worse by trading him away. You know, So right. maybe that changes their, their uh, thought process a little bit there too. I think given the circumstances, Miles Turner being healthy right now would be prefer- and trading him now would be preferable to waiting – until the offseason because right now there's not many sellers who knows what the offseason will look like i think the chance of a a high return if he was healthy is higher right now than it would be in the summer however now that this injury has popped up i think you're right i think that the wise move here depending on what offers are still out there may be just to wait until the summer and you know it's unfortunate timing here for miles turner who's Mm -hmm. been talking about trying to get a bigger role unfortunate timing for the pacers but that doesn't mean that you should rush into a bad deal just because, hey, this is we we had planned to move him at the trade deadline, so let's still move him. No, if that offer's not there, just wait. You've got time. Wait until the offseason. Yep. Yeah, if you're a team like the Charlotte Hornets, where I imagine they were looking at it as, yeah. hey, he aids us in a playoff push this year. We also feel like he can be our long-term answer at the five around this uh, youngish group we've put together of you know players and you feel really good about that then you still move you move now and get it done and anything you get is a bonus and then you've got to move them forward but it, it does change things you know a little from from that standpoint for sure it's a uh, and you're absolutely spot on just horrible timing all around yeah. for everybody but you know that's just how it goes sometimes um speaking of big men dealing with foot injuries bull bull Found out exactly what it was that nixed that trade that he was a part of would have sent him to the Detroit Pistons. He now has surgery on his foot and is out for two to three months. And that was enough to scare the Pistons away and prevent them from doing the deal. Yeah. And you can't blame the Pistons, right? Because if you're the Pistons, the whole goal was get a look at him before free agency this offseason when he's eligible to be a restricted free agent. You want to really... Get that look at him, see what he looks like in with your young group and go from there. Uh, if you weren't, if you really looked at it and said, uh, this dude needs surgery and we're not going to get that look, then there's no point. It's, yeah. That's just a waste. So you just, you know, say, forget it. And he's not proven enough where you're going to say, well, we'll do it anyway. And then we'll just resign him and go from there. You really had to see him. And now he fits with Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart and all the rest of their, their kids there in Detroit city Bay um, as well. So it's just now it makes sense. And from the nugget side, He'll have the surgery. He won't get retraded now, I imagine. I'd be very shocked, um, you know, unless it was a straight salary dump, uh, you know, where they're sending him out just to kind of either finish the math and matching salary in a bigger trade or something. But Michael Malone said today uh, he doesn't expect big changes to come to the roster. I think the Nuggets are really sitting there saying our trade deadline, and I'm going to do air quotes around this, acquisitions 
are going to be Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. We're, we're not in a position where we need to go out and make a whole bunch of trades. We just need to continue to tread water, stay you know strong, and then make uh, you know go get those guys back uh, when we can. And then that's going to be what gives us the boost we need later in the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's the way they have to approach things. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't explore things. They still need to be out there seeing what's available and things of that nature. But I think it's a good realistic point of view in terms of the Nuggets going into the trade deadline, not anticipating making any big major move, just instead waiting for guys to get healthy. Uh, Bull Bull, it's it's really the opposite of, say, like Colin Sexton, right? Where Colin Sexton, a team may, if he's on the trade block, a team may trade for him because you're going to feel more comfortable in what you're getting. You can say, well, we can go in, you know, he can, we can re-sign him this summer. Maybe this is somebody that we want to give up something for in order to have that right to re-sign him. Bull Bull's not at that same level where you know what you're getting. He's more, especially in the case of the, the Detroit Pistons, you want to get him in and get a look at him before you're going to commit to him long-term. So just different situation. Um, and unfortunately means that trade is now a no-go. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it completely makes sense now. The mystery is removed from what yeah. happened in that situation. And it, it makes sense, again, from, from the Pistons' side, why you would say, say nah, we're, we're, we're good. Let's move on. Keith, let's jump to something that you and I, we talked to some people today on Twitter about. <laughs> um, I talked to some. I'm sure you deal with them a lot more than I do. Well, that is true. But um, <laughs> Lakers head coach Frank Vogel, according to The Athletic, Bill Oram, uh, apparently his job is very much in jeopardy. In fact, had the Lakers lost last night to the Utah Jazz, sounds like that was going to be the end of the road for Frank Vogel. Apparently, according to Orem, the front office let him know early in the season and the coaching staff know that they were on thin ice, that if things did not go according to plan, that they could probably be on the way out. And that even with all of the injuries that they have dealt with this season, tons of them, Anthony Davis right now, who we'll talk about in a bit, uh, has been out for a while now. LeBron James has missed plenty of games. You've had a number of players who've been out of action. Trevor Ariza, Taylor Horton Tucker undergoing surgery right at the start of the season. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played all year. Um, all of these things, plus health and safety protocols, the front office still believes that what we've seen has been far worse than just guys being injured. And therefore, this is simply not good enough. Where do you stand on this whole situation with, with Frank Vogel and the Lakers? I've talked about it a ton, but I'd like to get an outside perspective. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things you have to factor in here when you look at this situation is one, um, he has not been perfect. That That is completely fair. Um, he's never really been a very good offensive coach. He's always been a far better defensive coach um he you know has really kind of made his bones with those early pacers teams that really gave uh the lebron heat like everything that they could handle when it looked like that those heat teams were going to roll through everybody uh they were right there and then even in his brief time in orlando they they still defended you know relatively well considering they were a very bad team uh and then that lakers team that won the title a couple years ago they won it because of their defense their, their offense was fine but their defense was dominant they they were a great defensive team all season long and i've i've seen some people say well that was a creation of the bubble it wasn't they were really good all year long yeah. uh defensively and they they really you know did did a nice job this year the defense has fallen off they are well, let me make sure i have this right they are yeah they're down to 17th in defensive rating per basketball reference they're 24th in offense so the offense 
I guess you kind of look at the pieces and say, maybe it should be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you factor in that Vogel's teams are usually not very good offensively, can't honestly see it. I think the defense falling to the bottom half of the league is a bigger, uh, far bigger issue. That That's a problem. But so now let's go beyond that though. <clears throat> he can't, can he build a good defense with this group? I mean, there's just not a lot of good defenders in the group. Yeah. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a indifferent defender at best at this point in his career. Um, you know, some people have said he gets steals. Well, steals aren't a, always a great measure of defense. Sometimes they're actually a very poor measure of defense because it means you're chasing and doing other things. Um, Anthony Davis even at this point in his career as he's starting to approach 30 can still be a destructive defensive player because he can blow up all sorts of stuff. He just hasn't been healthy. Uh, you know, he he's now missed. I want to say he's missed like 17 games. Um, and in the ones he did play, he clearly wasn't right in a lot of them. Um, so that that's a, a major issue. I think um, that has caused them. They're, they're big men, Dwight Howard, Deandre Jordan, uh, Dwight Howard has lost a step. Uh, DeAndre Jordan has lost all of the steps. All the steps. Um, you know, he doesn't <laughs> all have the steps. <laughs> uh, Avery Bradley's still super competitive on that end, but just doesn't, you know, he's not what he once was mm-hmm. um, as an all ball defender. And then that is kind of it after, you know, that. I guess Trevor Reza, but he's still just kind of finding his way back, I no. think. And Stanley Johnson, but you're talking a 10 day guy and a guy who you know, just started to play. Austin Reeves. All the rest of the guys are. They can have the occasional good defensive game, but they're not good defenders. I just, I think it's a little unfair to put it all on Frank Vogel when you kind of look at all the pieces here. I get it though. It's the Lakers. It's LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. And they made that significant investment in Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, making that trade. And that's kind of the expectation was go win a championship. And they're falling fallen well short of that thus far and you know as i said this on twitter which kind of i think sparked the whole you know at least my morning was can't fire all the players yep. so you fire the coach so that makes sense to me i mean they got that denver game was embarrassing it was i mean that was just that was you know one where i think if he could have gone into you know called the south bay team and said hey you guys want to finish this one on the fourth quarter they would have all come up and finished and played a heck of a lot harder than the rest of the guys did the last thing i'll say on this too because i've seen some people saying well if lebron's supposed to be as great as he you know says he is and all this and that lebron james has been awesome this season yeah like i don't like like this is i mean he like i i mean i'm sure you're aware but for people who don't know this is what he's doing this year 28.8 points per game on 51 36 75 shooting splits really good percentage especially the 36 percent from three pretty good especially considering he's at 7.9 three-point attempts per game um which is if not his career high that's got to be really close to it Seven and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, 1.6 steals, 1.2 blocks. Does he bring it every single night as a lockdown defender? No, he doesn't anymore. He just can't. He has to carry too big of an offensive load. He's also, you know, now he's old. Like it's the reality is asking him to do that is too much, but he's also playing 36.7 minutes per game. You know, and he's played in 32 of the 44 games. Like he is out there most nights when he's, you know, healthy doing his thing. And I think he probably kind of owns now the, you know, which he started in his Cleveland days, the take a two week vacation late in the year. That probably can't happen if they want to, you know, be competitive to push for a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. So I just don't want to see the, 
on-court blame put on LeBron. Off-court, yeah, he's probably owed a chunk of it. I mean, he Mm -hmm. has a lot of say in where they go and what they do with the roster. So, you know, let's see. But, yeah, I think that there are definitely, you know, roster issues for sure. We got a puppy chime in. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. He says, oh, don't get mad at LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, so – when I look at this, first of all, you're, you're right on LeBron. Uh, he's been phenomenal. I've been saying that if if the Lakers, let's say, in some alternate universe, uh, I don't know, Earth 818 or whatever we want to call it. Um, and the, it, uh, or, or, I should say Earth 360, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, a, LeBron James is getting MVP consideration if the Lakers are, say, top three in the West. Right. I mean, that's that's how good he's. I'm not saying he's winning it, but I'm saying that he would he would be in the discussion if oh, the Lakers yeah, were playing better. Right. Yeah. Um, that's how good he's been. You can't look at the Lakers record and say, oh, this is on LeBron. Um, but you also can't look at it and say this is on Frank Vogel. In fact, I've been saying for a while now, if you point to any one particular thing, whether it's Russell Westbrook, the front office, Frank Vogel, the, the players in general, whatever it is, COVID injuries, you point to any one thing as the reason why the Lakers have struggled this season. You're wrong. It's it's not a complete, or I should say, you're not totally correct. It yeah. been, it's been a <laughs> lot of things sure. that has yep. created the Lakers' problems this season. So if you look at this as, oh, that's all they, just get rid of Frank Vogel and problem solve. Everything's good. No, that's not the way this is going yeah. to work. However, like you said, Keith, they don't have a lot of other things they can do. They don't have a lot of trade assets. Essentially, yep. the Lakers' trade package is Taylor Horton Tucker Kendrick Nunn, and then some stuff you can put on maybe a couple second rounders. You've got a 2027 first. Essentially, let's say the Lakers call up the Pistons and say, hey, do you want THT and Kendrick Nunn? No? Oh, okay. Well, that's all we can do. It's not like there's other options they can turn to. So they're kind of stuck in that regard. And teams do this in general, even when you're not stuck in terms of trade assets. Teams do this. The one thing, Mm -hmm. the first thing you're going to try to do is change the coach because it's the easiest thing to do. You can bring in a new coach. Frank Vogel only got a one-year contract extension. It's the it's the let's try this and see if it sparks some kind of a reaction, right? It's mm-hmm. your computer starts to act a little funny. So you unplug it and plug it back <laughs> in and hope that that fixes yeah. it. That's what firing the coach is in this yep. in this case. It's not all on, on Frank Vogel. Now, like you said, though, he hasn't necessarily been great. Right. He's had certainly some some questionable decisions and things of that nature, but I can also empathize with him a little bit. I mean, it's like the lineup. Frank Vogel is a very good defensive coach. They Mm -hmm. gave him a team full of non-defenders and I mean, publicly said, well, we've got a good defensive coach. He's going to figure it out. He's going to turn them into a good defensive team. And to his credit, they were like 11th in defensive rating when (laughs) he was healthy. But it's like going to a master carpenter bringing him a bunch of kindling and say, here you go, build me a house. Yeah. it's You're not yeah. going to get the, what you were expecting. And again, this yep. isn't all, it doesn't mean Frank Vogel is completely blameless, yep. but to blame it all on Frank Vogel, I think is unfair. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I'll say too, I mean, I've you know beat up on him quite a bit too, but I don't think it's all Russell Westbrook either. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, it's funny. I see people saying all he does is shoot, you know, long two pointers that are terrible. Well, you know what? Russell Westbrook's long two pointers this year. That's 13% of his total attempts. It's a lot of, it's still a lot, but it's not, I mean, he's still getting his shots from the rim or the paint. Add those two together. 
that's still 56% of his shots are coming inside the, yep. the paint or around the paint. And it's, area. it's more the, than previous seasons too. Yep. The mid range doesn't really take any from the mid range. It's less than 1% takes 13% on the longer twos. Then he takes 21% from three. Now the problem is his finishing at the rim has been is bad. not very good. His finishing in the paint is horrendous this year. Yep. He's at 36% on shots from floater range, three to 10 feet. Um, that's really horrible. I, I don't even know how that can be a thing. And that's where it's actually all falling apart for him. Mm-hmm. In addition to the turnovers and in, of course, he's not a good three-point shooter and hasn't been for quite some time. The other thing I will say is I have seen, I feel like we're in year five or six in a row of people writing the Russell Westbrook obituary in the first half of the season. And then we hit uh, all-star break and beyond. And all of a sudden this guy is, you know, turns it on for the playoff push and all that. I'm not trying to be all rainbows and sunshine with with the Lakers. It's certainly not me. That's not, if anybody was going to do that on the show, I don't know that people would expect it to be me, but the reality is I think it's, I think you're spot on with this. There is no one magic bullet that is fix this and everything will be better. There is no one thing that is that's what's gone wrong with this team. It's accumulation of stuff that's caused a whole bunch of issues. Um, and it, the the hardest part is, as you referenced, there is no easy way to fix it. Yeah. And that's what, what makes this tough. I really think this is going to be a you ride it out. You make whatever adjustments you can make. If that involves Vogel's got to go. And we think David Fisdale, I would almost be positive, gets the next shot. I'm at it. It's <clears throat> kind of the lead guy. And he was one in five. Yeah. He, when, yeah. When yeah he which took shows over like, it's not like he came The grass in isn't made, always greener. Yeah. He made major changes and adjustments. But yeah, you get to there and then that's kind of right out the rest of this year. And then when Westbrook turns into an expiring contract, you'll find, I mean, he's been traded the last three years on a the the most untradable contract in the league right has been yeah. moved three years in a row um when it turns into an expiring contract it becomes even more tradable um and they'll 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 find a place uh, for him and then that's how you start to rebuild this roster around lebron and ad because basically everything else uh other than talon horton tucker and at this point i would assume kendrick nunn will opt in unless he really does return and you know plays like you know he's like a house on fire and is amazing I would assume just about everything else you can kind of sweep away fairly easily and just re- reset. So uh, news on Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, let's late. get to that. Uh, they tried to ramp him up and he you know, didn't react well yep. uh, to it. So it sounds like he's going to be out. Um, they, they didn't give any kind of timeline or anything. Just he'll be out longer uh, than, than, than was expected. So that's that's not great because not that. I think the most rational fans are not saying Kendrick Nunn to the rescue, but I think everybody's looking at it and saying, Hey, you can't hurt. Can't be any worse. You know, let's, let's get them out there. Um, but that's now going to be a little while longer, at least, at least a little while, if not, you know, quite a while. So the Lakers this off season, they had one bullet in the chamber, so to speak, in terms of non veteran minimums that they could spend. They yeah. had the mini mid level that they could use or the taxpayer mid level exception. Um, they used that on Kendrick Nunn. We know they were interested in Patty Mills. Patty Mills went to the Nets. They turned to Kendrick Nunn. They were excited about getting him. Um, they expected him to be not necessarily not, not the guy that's going to lead the team or anything, but be a, a contributor this season mm-hmm. to be somebody they could count on. And he hasn't played at all. They're uh, within the organization. The hope was that January th- this month he would be back. Sometime this month they would have him yep. back. 
Um, and now that it's officially been delayed, now they did not specifically say we don't expect him in January anymore or when they expect him. But just given where we are in the month and everything, I would say it's probably more likely than not that we don't yep. see him this month. So unfortunate situation there, certainly. But there was some good news. And that came yeah. actually during the game. Uh, Anthony Davis was getting <laughs> uh, was getting evaluated by the doctors and by the team doctors. They were checking him out, get, doing his reevaluation. And then uh, after the game, we found out that he was indeed cleared to ramp things up, contact and everything in practice. And so this fits in with a timeline that we heard from Dave McMenamin on ESPN that the Lakers are expecting him back sometime during their Grammy road trip, which is coming up January 21st through 30th. So six game stretch right there. They're going to give him some time to get his legs under him, but now he's a full go in practice and uh, his return is going to be sounds like assuming all goes according to plan sooner rather than later. Yeah. My guess is probably more towards the back end of that yep. road trip Agreed. than the front end, just the front end. I mean, it starts in a couple days. Yeah. So that's just a little tighter than I think they're thinking. But yeah, I think my, that would be my guess too, is, you know, we're, 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 week and a half ish out on ad at most mm -hmm. at this point probably 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 about a week yeah um you know what would be where it is i mean and they need them i mean that's just you know I, that sounds it's what an oversimplification they need one of their best, <laughs> of their best but, players yeah <laughs> right but i mean but it is true i mean if for no other reason you need them so that lebron is not all this wear and tear mm -hmm. comes off him because the thing i noticed with lebron now the last couple games going against Jokic and gobert they went to dwight howard yeah. and he played a lot of minutes but when they were playing him at the five now it becomes a real advantage on the offensive end. Defensively, though, he doesn't want. There's no chance he wants to be on that no. because then he's involved up with screeners and everything else, and just kind of it just becomes a mess, you know, for for him to navigate that stuff. I mean, there are very real reasons why Anthony Davis doesn't want to be a full time five, and it's because of the beating a full time five takes because you just you have to do so much, even if it's just you know I'm. You know, I'm giving the guys the bump as they come through the paint, you know, because oh, sure. I'm the last just be the, the tag man or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's all sorts of stuff there that it's just, you know, it, it really takes a toll on guys. So it's, you know, I, I get it. So just get AD back, you know, uh, lessen that burden a little bit on LeBron. And, you know, hopefully you can, you know, maybe even bring his minutes down a little because you don't want him playing 37 minutes a night. It's too many, you know, especially, you know, I mean, we're only halfway through the year. You, you're you hoping for a run. So, yeah, I'm very, very curious to see, you know, where, where they go. I mean, we did some, we're not breaking any kind of news here. They're pitching that Horton Tucker non combo to anybody Everywhere. who wasn't yep. around the league. I mean, it is out there to every team is, you know, but the problem is every team knows that's really all they've got to offer. Yeah. So they're kind of like, eh, you know, can you throw in a first round pick? Can you do this? Can you do that? Well, um, one of the ideas that was floated, I want to say it was maybe Nate Duncan or Danny LaRue floated the idea of, do you do what they did with the Pelicans pick and say, Hey, can we do throw a deferral on there? Yeah. Uh, with that one pick that's going to the Pelicans where you know you can get in in 2027 or 2028. You know, do, do you do that? Or do, are they going to be in a position where, hey, we have to offer a swap um, on, on the one year that we don't trade? It's just, it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's it's tough. And again, I'll say this until I'm blue in the face. They're not making a Russell Westbrook trade at the trade deadline. I, I will come back and I'll, I was going to say I'll eat my hat but i really don't want to eat a hat but i don't know what i'll do i'll do something we can come up with some punishment if they trade russell westbrook before the trade deadline 
I'll, you know, I, I don't know, I'll eat a ghost pepper or something like that. We'll figure all that out. <laughs> no, Keith, I, I've been, and by the way, I should mention this, Russell Westbrook's dunk last night on Gobert was oh, one, of, one of the best of the season. Yeah. That was that was absolutely yep. incredible. Um, it was felt like he took a half a season's worth of frustration yes. out on one play on, on Gobert. I mean, that was, that was, that was great. That I mean, was, that was uh, and it was funny too. And you know what? I always say this good for Gobert for hanging in there and not making the business decision and ducking out cheaply. I mean, I love when big, we get, we love when bigs challenge. Cause then you get those great. Yeah. Dunks, right. Right. And, and that was, yeah. I mean, that was, that was, that was, yeah, that's right up there for dunk of the year for sure. Very, Just very, cause it was on. Yes. You know, you know, more than anything. And that's what, what made it, but it's part of what made the dunk, right? Is it was on, yeah. it wasn't like, it's not like he dunked on Jalen Brunson or, or something no, like that. You yeah. know, he, he dunked on, yeah. so that was, uh, that was amazing, but you're absolutely right. Um, with the with the caveat that every single time, I'm I'm sure there's some examples where it didn't actually happen, but we've pegged a contract as untradeable. Sure, it's gotten traded eventually. Yep. Okay. That being said, though, I think if you're going in and speaking to Lakers fans, if you're going into the trade deadline hoping for a Russell Westbrook trade, you are most likely, very likely, going to come away from the trade deadline disappointed. Because mm -hmm. logistically, it's just so difficult for it to happen. Yep. Again, you never say never in the NBA, but I feel pretty confident that it's it's not going to happen. Hey, I'll throw this one thing out there, too. I asked a handful of people around the league. The Horton, Tucker, Dunn yep. combo, we know that's out there. But if they were going to trade somebody else, and, and I took LeBron, AD, Russ off yep. the table, who would they get the most for of the remaining players on the roster? I, I'll let you guess it, but who do you think it was that they said? Austin Reeves. Oh no, no, Malik sorry, Monk. sorry, Malik Monk. Yeah, it was sorry, Malik I wasn't, Monk. I wasn't yep. counting Malik Monk yeah. for that for yep. whatever reason. But yeah, Malik Monk, he's played pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he's you know, and I think I think everybody is still kind of shocked that was the deal. He he took it clear. I think for Malik Monk, the idea was I could have made a little bit more money somewhere else, but. Here I'll go. I'll be a big part of things, and the next summer I'll cash in as you know. Hey, I'm you know available here. So yeah, yeah he he was the next guy um on that list that that people threw out there. I I looked. Did you know? Um, I mean, I'm sure you do. Russ has played them played in every game. Yep, the only guy to play in every game. Do you know who's played the second most games on the team? Without looking, second most games on the team, like actually appeared in or been yep. available. Yeah, appeared in. Um, Avery Bradley. Uh, he's close. He's fourth. Carmelo, forty-one. That makes games. sense because Carmelo so up until I mean, just, up until this yeah, recent stretch, he hadn't missed yeah. any games, so yeah. he's missed the last so, I think three. I mean, that kind of gives you a real sense, right? Of yeah. you know, just kind of well, what they've been going through. I mean, a lot of guys have missed a lot of games. Yep. Now, a lot of guys have missed a lot of games all around the league too. So I sure. don't want to make that the whole out, but yeah. All right. All right. Moving we, on. We do need to get to the Nets, uh, potentially trading Nick Claxton. Yeah. And it makes some sense from a salary cap perspective. They are way, way over the, the cap, way into the tax. Um, mm -hmm. I want to say tax alone. Tax, I'm, not, I'm not talking about their salaries. Tax alone, they're well over $100 million. They've got to be, what, like 110 ish Let's see. They're at uh, they are thirty five million over, which puts them in the yeah. They got to be up over a hundred million total, once, especially once you combine it. That's in penalties plus salary. Yeah, like the salary cap is what one thirteen this year. Yeah. Uh, one yeah, almost one. It's uh one twelve point four. So right about there. 
their their luxury tax payment could is more than a full <laughs> yeah. team's like salary, well, right? Let, Which is amazing. Hold on, let me let's do some math because this will be fun. So they're thirty five point three million dollars over the tax line. Uh-huh. So that's not even that's not the penalties. That's just the initial number they're over. Mm-hmm. The if we just count guys on roster for the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, they're at forty six point one million. For guys on roster. Now, their number's higher because they have Kemba's full dead sure. money on their books and stuff. But just their rostered players right now, they're at forty six point one million. So they're 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 about eleven million higher uh than than the Nets. And then just to for reference, the Nets are not the highest in the league. That's the Warriors mm-hmm. at thirty nine point three million. Oof. But still, yeah, it's it's a big number. But um in any event though, they are considering trading Nick Claxton. Part of that might be salary cap related. Um I think more for next year. Yeah. Than than this year. Because this year he's only at one point eight million. He's finishing out that contract. Right. He signed with them as a second round pick. But then he's a restricted free agent this summer. And unless you're really committed to giving him Something around mid-level money. I think some team might you know want to throw that number out there. You're probably somewhere eight to twelve million uh, starting salary. If you're the Nets, unless you're really interested in going there, you're probably looking and saying, "Yeah, no, we gotta, you know, we we want let's you know again." Not exactly like the Lakers because they have a couple other places places they could go to to create trade um, avenues. Um, but he's probably the young player that's actually tradable on the roster that has mm-hmm. the most value. My question would be, don't you kind of need him? Yeah. If you're hoping to go where you want to go this year. I mean, he's, he's kind I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge has not been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Millsap has been, I'm guessing he's just done. I mean, he's given them absolutely nothing and that's kind of it for their big men until you get down into, uh, you know, first round pick Daron Sharp, who's, I mean, he's okay, but you know, you're not, you don't really want to go into a playoff series with Dayron Dayron Sharp as one of your starting, uh, you know, players. You, you really, I think, I think they kind of need Claxton. I personal opinion, I would, unless you're really blown away and you're getting back a big who can start for you at the five. I guess Blake um, can start at the five too yeah. if you want to go there. But he hasn't looked that great this year either. I would just keep Claxton and then deal with whatever comes this off season because you can always make it a sign and trade. Get some something of value back that way. If you're the Nets, what are you what are you hoping to get for Nick Claxton? Right they, now, yeah. I would need a big. Like I'd need right. another big back. And right? so, is there like, a big that's cheaper right now than him? That's going to be better. No, no. What they do have, but though, you can you know package they, some guys, I guess, with him. Yeah. Now their thing is, I mean, once you're at, we said thirty five million dollars over the tax line. Who cares, right? Let's just keep going to some extent. <laughs> just keep spending. But they do have an $11.5 million trade exception from the Spencer Dinwiddie mm-hmm. uh, trade to the Wizards uh, this summer. Um, or, you know, I guess as the, everyone else calls it, the Westbrook trade. Um, but then DeAndre Jordan, uh, from when they dumped him to, to the uh-huh. Pistons, they've got a $6.3 million trade exception there. So you could go... Could you go get Robin Lopez and throw Claxton to the Magic, mm-hmm. and then say, "Hey, Orlando, now Orlando's got Wendell Carter. They've got uh, somebody, so maybe it needs to be a third team." And what, what about like, what if you sent him off to the Thunder oh, for, for something favors. minor, and lo- and you brought Robin Lopez in 
Um, oh, okay. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, some the, the Thunder send, you know, Isaiah Roby or something to Orlando. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, a way. I mean, Robin Lopez is going to kind of be the favorite target, I think, of a lot of teams that need a big just because he's got a movable contract and he's, you know. Um, What's he getting this player? year again? I don't remember. Five million. Five, five million. million even. Okay. So, Let, let's say you just you offer a second rounder. So for whatever reason, yeah. let's say the magic move yeah. him and they just absorb Robin Lopez into a trade exception. What's the actual yeah. cost of Robin oh, Lopez when you gosh, add in the, the luxury tax, that $5 million player, it becomes uh, what? 20, 25, 30 25. million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So that's where it helps have one of the richest owners in the league though, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, everybody has their limits, right? Everybody has their limits of, Hey, let's, you know, chill here with this a minute. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, that's that I would have, I'd have to get a big back that mm-hmm. I can plug in and play um, or, you know, a real, you know, good, good wing. And it's not that, that I'm placing the super high value on Claxton as a player. It's just more, what else do they really need? If you assume Kevin Durant's coming back, it really seems like another big, I, I mean, I guess another ball handler that can score, um, you know, for the games when Kyrie can't play, mm-hmm. um, we should touch on that now since we're on the Nets. Yep, let's do it. Uh, he was asked after their Martin Luther King Day game where he played. Uh, they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road. They they asked they, they when Kyrie met with the media. They said Kevin Durant's out. Does that change your vaccination status? Uh, go read the quotes because they were long and he said a lot of stuff. But ultimately, he said, "No, I am firm. I'm ro-. his exact quote was, "I'm rooted in my decision." Um, so he is not going to get vaccinated. So uh, unless New York changes their their mandates, which doesn't sound like they will, you know, anytime, maybe until this we get into the summertime, um, at best, he's not going to be playing in home games. And there, I want to say somebody said too, Washington and maybe one other place have um, also instituted for like indoor venues. Mm. Um, and that means that he is um, he would not be able to play there either. Um, because they don't have it uh, limited to the home performers. Uh, well, that'd be Washington, D.C., to be clear. And he's clearly, I don't know if they have any more games in Canada, but he's clearly not going to Canada um, unvaccinated. He can't. Now, that becomes a problem if you play either one of those teams. Right. I, I'm looking at the standings right now. The, entire series. The, the Nets right now are sitting in the three seed, and the Wizards are at eight, so that wouldn't put them on a conclu- yeah. uh, collision course right now. But that could certainly change. And now here's the thing. Ironically... Unless you're playing Washington or, or Toronto or whoever, if the Nets were to slide a bit in the standings, you know, they're only a game up on the Cavs for the four seed, they're a game and a half up on the Bucks for the five seed. If they were to slide a bit and lose home court advantage, that could actually help them. Like, it, like let's say you go to a yeah. seven game series, game seven is then on the road, and guess what? You get Kyrie for that. Wouldn't that? I mean, that it's it's such a be, weird situation. Such- I mean, that is some game theory that like you got to really, yeah. And I'm not saying, that, I'm not saying you do it on purpose. Be, I'm saying yeah, with exactly. KD out, that slide could naturally and could ironically wind up helping. I, I'm not saying they try to lose games to, sure. to create that. Well, the reality is, I mean, Philly is in six and they're only two and a half games out of first. Yeah. Uh, they are only two games behind the Nets or a half game out of first. So, I mean, that could just happen. Right? Yep. I mean, it just that could just be the way it goes anyway, because the Nets as loaded as it seems like they might be plus two point four scoring margin. 
not that great. You know, it's not not even anywhere close to top in the East. Cavs still are tops in the East at plus five point one. Mm-hmm. Heat plus four point four, and then it's the net, and then it's the Bucks plus three point seven. Then the Nets. So they're fourth in the East in scoring margin. Um, they've not been a good home team, maybe in part because Kyrie can't play, but that's unfair because he he hasn't been able to play on the road either until just recently. But they're only twelve and eleven at home. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, I could see them start to slide for sure in the standings. And then here comes your other challenge if you're the Nets. What do we say about James Harden? Fantastic until you have to put all the burden on him in the regular season. And then he's worn out by the second round of the playoffs. We could be heading there depending on how long KD is out. It's just, you know, it's something to look at. Now, unlike the Lakers and what I, what I was trying to get to with these guys is, They've got a whole bunch of different things they could do trade-wise yeah. if they wanted to do stuff. They've got those trade exceptions. They could also, you could very easily see them saying, I think he's somebody they need in the long run. But you could see them saying, well, we could move Joe Harris because it's a big number at $17.4 million. That can go get us a player. And then we we go that direction. So let's just keep an eye on them as we get to the trade deadline because they've, they've got some more, more triggers that they can pull uh, versus the Lakers. Um, let's talk a little bit about Jeremy Grant, uh, Jake Fisher, Bleacher Report had some stuff on, on him. He did actually have Jeremy Grant included in a Ben Simmons trade offer from the Detroit Pistons that the 76ers mm-hmm. declined. You had a few guys. Sadiq Bay was part of it. I don't remember what else. It was a future first <laughs> Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Shocking. Grant. Sadiq Bay. Yeah. Cade Cunningham. The rights to say Isaiah Thomas played for the Sixers, I'm sure, like just the way this is going. Yeah, I'm sure it's all everything under the sun. Right. But yeah. uh, but in any in any event, uh, the the 76ers, of course, said said no, that's not enough. But um, Jeremy Grant is seen as kind of the crown jewel, if you will, of this yeah. of this year's trade deadline, especially now with Miles Turner dealing with an injury. I mean, Jeremy Grant is injured as well, but he's expected back sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. So with that being the case, with him being the main target of this draft class, and the Pistons are rumored to want a couple of firsts for him. um, What are your thoughts on on that? Is this, what's the probability of Jeremy Grant getting moved by the trade deadline now that Miles Turner probably isn't as strong of an asset? Yeah, this is going to be one where you have to have a real good uh, uh, way to backdoor the negotiations because you want to have a sense of, Hey, after next year, meaning the 22-23 season, are you are you going to resign here? Mm-hmm. Can we get you to do an extension this offseason? What does that look like? By all accounts, Jeremy Grant wants paid, and Jeremy Grant also wants to be somewhere where he's not the third, fourth guy in the pecking order like he was in Denver. He wants to be a big featured player. That starts to take the destinations that you could really start to look around and say, or we'll take this team off the list because they can't do this. Take this team off the list. Take this team off the list. And then you're left with a much shorter list because I don't know how many teams necessarily view Jeremy Grant as, or you're our number two on a title team. I think a lot of teams, if you're our number three, you're our number four, anything below that, yeah, we're probably really, really good. Um, so that's where I think the challenge comes in uh, for Jeremy Grant is. So you have to be really able to back channel that to say, all right, we what, what are we thinking on this as far as the uh, the contract goes next one, role, is he going to be happy here? Those kind of things. Because otherwise this is one where you could make this trade, then he's not happy, and then you deal with another year of unhappy, and then he's gone. 
and that becomes yeah. a whole mess mess thing. And, I, and I'm not, I don't mean this as any criticism of Jeremy Grant. I think his idea is fine. I think it's a little misplaced. I don't think he's quite that level of player. I think, um, you know, I don't know that he's quite that good. And we've seen his, he's been the man in Detroit and his counting stats look really good, but his efficiency is really poor. Yeah. Um, you know, turnovers have gone way up. His shooting percentages are down. So I just don't know that he's that guy. But I mean, if I'm the Pistons, I'm I'm asking for the moon because it looks as it looks right now. We've got the best player available. Um, so you better come ready to to pay uh, for him. And, and that's how they should treat it. Fit wise, he's very easy to fit in on just about any yeah. any team because you can yeah. run. You can play big. You can play small. You can ask him to yeah. do a lot of different things. Any he, he can accomplish yeah. those things for you. So sure. It makes sense. Um, I do wonder how big of a deal that's going to be. Him wanting a large role compared to what teams want him to be for mm-hmm. them. Um, in some ways, you could compare this to Aaron Gordon last year in mm-hmm. terms of what, what a team would be acquiring him for to be. Oddly that, like, replaced Jeremy. Grant. Exactly. <laughs> which is which is funny. But, um, but I, I could see a, a contender really making a push to try to get him. Oh, yeah. Um, but I do want, like, if let's say, and I, I think I don't think the Lakers' offer for him is going to beat out the other ones. But let's say, just because this is the team that's you know, on mine for some sure. reason, I don't know why. But um, <laughs> let's say the Lakers trade for him, and Jeremy, you're Jeremy Grant, and you're coming to a team with LeBron, with AD, with Russell Westbrook. So you're four in the pecking order. Is he going to be happy with that? Is he is he going to want to resign? Is he going to send that message to the Lakers? Hey, I don't really want to be four in the pecking order. I want to be somewhere where I'm at worst three or two or something like that. And so I probably don't want to do an extension. And then does that derail things? That's something that we have to look at too. When we look at which Mm -hmm. contenders might be interested in him, does he want to be there? Because, well, he's not a free agent in a few months. He's got another year, but he still will have a little bit of influence on his landing spot by communicating whether or not he will do an extension. Yeah, and he's going to be 28 in a couple months, so that's something you have to factor in as well, too. I mean, that's not certainly he should have, you know, he, he should be fine through the duration of his next contract, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, and then I think that's where the difference comes in, right? Because if it's the Lakers, I think that's a much easier pill to swallow behind, you know, one of, if not the best player of all time, sure. Anthony Davis, who's really good, and Russell Westbrook. Plus, if you're Jeremy Grant, you might be looking at it and saying, well, I could do that for the rest of this year because they're going to make 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 changes. Yeah. And then in a few years, by the time any kind of extension would be really starting up, who knows if LeBron's even still there? You know, it might be AD and me, and then I'm you know really in a feel like I'm in a great place. Um, so that I I think this is one where if you're Jeremy Grant and his agent in those teams, you're really having some conversations around there. What are we looking at over the next few years versus just right now? I also do think that there is some value to if you're a team saying. You know, we don't really care about what happens in the next few years. We think we can get you in. You'll play really hard and really lift us and, you know, help us be be a really good team. Let's go get this done. And, you know, we'll worry about all the rest of it later. Um, There are a handful of teams when if you're close, go for it and let the rest sort itself out down the line. It's it's we when you try and live too much in two worlds. You get really stuck. You know, that's that's part of what the Celtics are living through right now. They never would cash in because it was. Well, look, we can do this. We can blow open this title window for 10 years running. And 
I mean, that's clearly not what's going on, right? I mean, we're, you know, they're as far away from title contention as they've been since this whole rebuild started post uh, Pierce and KG. So it's, yeah, well, they're a little bit better than year one of that, but it's, uh, you know, but they're still pretty far away. So it's, it's been, uh, you know, that's, yeah, I think there is something to say, just, you know, hey, make it happen. You know, we'll figure out the rest later if you're that close. I think Utah is an interesting landing spot. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Chicago as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Chicago would be a good mm-hmm. one as well. Um, yep. Memphis. There's another yeah. one that could be interesting. Uh, there, Memphis, there's maybe. There's a yep. few. There's a few. Yeah, that are for out there. sure. I would have said Atlanta. Now I don't know. With, they, they're sliding. Know. And they got a big win yesterday over the, the Bucks. Um, But yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll see how the next I few weeks go for Atlanta. More, I kind of wonder for him if it could make sense. It's. But this is probably one you'd have to get a third team involved to mm-hmm. route the value the right way. And it's not as much a play for this year as later. But the Clippers, you know, if okay. you really wanted to, you know, if you were the Clippers and you were saying, all right, we're going to kind of whatever comes the rest of this year comes, but we'll reset. And then the other one, if it's just really that important to them to make the postseason, Washington. Good. You know, that's a good landing spot. I like that. Yeah, because you can take. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trez has what a ten million dollar expiring. You take that. You add in some stuff to it. Ray I also Hachimura, like Minnesota too. Like Minnesota's if, another. If interest. Minnesota well, was, you know, hey, well, this, you know, this is kind of what we started with too. Like yeah. every team yeah. could, could use and that's Jeremy it. And this is why this list of I want to say Jake had like seven, eight, nine teams uh, on the list that he put out there. Yeah. So I mean, that's you know, I mean, that's kind of why he's got a pretty tradable contract, pretty good player, and you know, a lot of people would like to have him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keith, we have one last thing. So a little behind the curtain here. We started today saying <laughs> this is just going to be a one show day. We yeah. don't have enough to do two different shows on this on this topic. And lo and behold, here we are. We have recorded just as long as we would have if we had done two shows in the day, yeah. just in this one supersized show. So you're <laughs> welcome. We I should have known when Lakers were on the on the schedule yeah. here to talk about that I was going to wind up going overtime on that. Yep. <laughs> but to finish that was mostly up, me though. <laughs> you you got going on on Lakers too, but I I think I kind of poked and prodded there as well and got us got us a, a deeper discussion on Lakers than I think we had initially intended to, but uh in any event, uh Daniel House signed a 10-day yep. contract with the Jazz. And this is a real 10-day. Yep. Not the standard 10-day. Yeah, yep. not the hardship one. Yeah, the Jazz are, I, I believe, are out of the hardship uh, you know, woods here, and they are back to uh, standard 10 days. That's going to be where most teams are going to be at. Most of the hardships are gone. And then just because it came out really while we were setting up to record and while we've been recording, mm-hmm. if we go across the hall in L.A., uh, Paul George, news is not good. It's going to be out at least a few more weeks um, with the elbow injury. Uh, that's a lot of reporting on that coming. Uh, Ohm Young, Young Music and uh, Woj are reporting uh, they're gonna they're extending Paul George's initial three to four weeks of rest by a few more weeks to see oh. how the uh, torn UCL and his right elbow responds. So, so that's a big deal. They're they're hoping that the extra rest will allow them to avoid surgery. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Gotta be. And that that's what their what their hope is. Um, but yep. it all depends on how it responds. If it doesn't respond well, then you're talking surgery. So that's yeah. I mean, I mean, on one hand, I guess it's a good sign because if it wasn't responding at all, they would just say that's it, surgery. Yep. Right. So extending it a few more weeks suggests that at least it's responding to some degree. 
unless this is just kind of a last gasp, like, you know what, let's just, let's give it a couple more weeks and see if anything changes. Cause it hasn't, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. I don't know. I don't know what, which way to take this. I'm see, I'm, 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 I'm contradicting myself as I'm thinking about what this really means for the Clippers, because I know the other side of this, if this does not work, it's surgery and the season is over. Yep. Yeah. I, I, my guess is, yeah, give it a couple weeks. Let's see where we're at as a team in a few more weeks too. Uh, you know, let, let's see, um, you know, and if we decide, you know what, he can't play and when we go, let's, uh, you know, let, let's bail out the, the, I think the, you know, I, I hesitate to call it a problem, but I don't know that they're even going to fall out of the play in, yeah. um, even without George and Kawhi, unless they really do a full scale sell off and are openly taking games. They don't, they're still four and, they don't yeah, have their they're still four and a half games up. That's exactly it. They have no reason to completely bottom this out. Unless you really can get great assets back, then you say, hey, sunk cost, we get all these awesome, you know, picks and players and all this stuff to rebuild around uh, Paul George and Kawhi. But my guess is you kind of say, all right, this is a lost season. We write it off. Maybe we see Kawhi do kind of what Paul, uh, oddly enough, Paul George did a few years ago with the Pacers after he broke his leg, where he came back, remember, with about six to 10 games to play. Yeah. He played in a few games more, just, hey, let's get that confidence built up, right. feeling good going into the offseason. Maybe that's what they do uh, with Kawhi. I don't. You know, I don't know that he needs that or not because I wasn't that same kind of injury. Um, but yeah, let's let's you know keep keep an eye on the Clippers as we as we move move things forward here for sure because they've got all sorts of uh, trade stuff they can do. And the, I mean, the effect of this, well, I mean, this could help the Thunder. And I, I don't want to paint the picture of like the Thunder celebrating sure. an injury to a yeah. place. I don't think that's the case. But but the Thunder have the Clippers yeah. pick. Yeah. So yep. if the farther the Clippers fall here, the better off for for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would love to see them fall completely apart and fall out and into the lottery. Yeah. Because it's completely that that is no protections on that pick. So yeah, absolutely, they right. they'd love to do that. One thing for certain we can say now is the Clippers are not going to be making any kind of all in moves to really you know boost their chances this year that's not going to happen does this then take them out of jeremy grant or do you think they look at him as a piece um, for next year yeah i think that's still a kind of move you can do where that's this year and next year mm-hmm. you know re, re, you know maybe helps you you know get into the playoffs or it's just to play in but then yeah we we can really move him next year so yeah i think that that makes sense all right well accidental marathon show here we are 54 <laughs> minute mark was not our intention but this is sometimes what happens when we sit down and we start talking nba basketball so to those of you who made it through the whole thing congratulations thank you guys for sticking yeah, with you. us um yeah. and we'll be back tomorrow maybe we'll have two shows. we should have split this one into two but maybe next time we'll have two shows uh during the course of the day Maybe it'll just be one gigantor-sized episode like this one is. But thank you guys for sticking with us. Make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.